And we got a good one today. I am hyped about episode five. We got George Condon on. George is one of my best friends. This man is a brother to me. I love this man to death. Very excited to have him on. Talk shop a little bit, but also share some funny stories. Gotta have the laughs in there, right? I mean, that's what this show is all about. Laughing, having good times, sharing some funny stories. This episode means a lot to me. I don't want to ever describe myself as a workaholic, but my business and what I do it's like my baby. I love my business more than anything in the world. There have been times in my life where the business that I had was the only thing I had. And I know that that sounds so crazy to say, but it's true. The chips were down during those points, man. The chips were down. So, I mean, we're up right now. We're up. We're way up right now. But back when the chips were down, my business was really all I had. And I love it so much. I love my clients. Any of you clients out there listening, you know I love you. My brother, one of my best friends, here he is, George Condon. We now welcome on one of my best friends, Georgia Condon, baby. Thank you so much for coming on, my brother. Thank you for having me. Georgia and I were once upon a time financial advisors, some young businessmen. We're going to talk a little bit about some funny experiences that we had, what it's like being in the business. Georgie, you're one of the best businessmen that I know. I appreciate that. I really do. Go ahead and give me your elevator pitch really quickly. Oh, God, you put me on the spot after a couple of beers. Uh, well, well, Matt, I, uh, I work with individuals like yourself and uh, I prepare them for uh, retirement and uh, I, I get them there a lot easier uh, than just doing it them, themselves. Uh, I like to uh, protect families and uh, put them in a better position than they're currently in and uh, that's just truly what I believe in. You know what? That was a good elevator speech. The one thing I didn't like was that you forgot the one money line. Let me hear it. Let me hear the money line. I treat all my clients like family. Baby. That's you true, baby. That's family. true. The money line uh, from the one and only. Uh, we have a good friend who treats them all like family. Treat them like family, and uh, that's all you can do. Uh, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, brother. I uh, I couldn't so, agree more. So fucking I couldn't cheesy, agree more, man. So cheesy. All right, so I'm 24. George is 24. This was our first gig out of school. Obviously, wanted to become brokers, wanted to get into the financial services industry. Talk to me about becoming a financial advisor and becoming a broker coming on as a broker when you're you know 20 something year old kid is obviously an, an intense experience i mean you getting basically thrown out into the muck i mean you have resources around you got older guys in the job who've been doing this shit forever that help you out but at the same time I mean, you're you're kind of on your own i mean you're you're swimming with the sharks and you're a fucking young buck i'm a young buck it's definitely intense it was nothing as i expected yeah, I agree. The way that I got into the business, our recruiter, Matt Swenson, love you, Matt, if you're listening to this. Love you, man. My guy wrote $59,000 on the whiteboard. I will never forget this. He wrote $59,000 on the whiteboard during the job interview, and I said, sign me up right fucking now. You give a 21-year-old the chance to make 60K money, right, off right off the rip? rip? Yeah. I will absolutely do it. And for those of you who don't know, when you get into financial services and when you're a broker, nothing is guaranteed. No, we get paid when the client signs on the dotted line. So that $59,000, that's not guaranteed at all. Yeah. That was a figure that he came to because he said the average advisor at Prudential last year did that. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm thinking, I can be average. Yeah. Why not? Let me fucking go in, get my licenses, mix it up. 59K should be pretty easy. I want to know about what he said to you to kind of get you in the door too. I'll be honest with you. I've heard that from a couple people that, you know, you write a number down on a board and you're like, this is what you're going to make. Basically, he kind of explained to me a lot of it was people skills. You know me. I mean... I know you and we're both people people we have good personal skills and that interested me and that's kind of what what brought me to uh, be a broker in the first place one reason why you chose prudential over other companies was because other companies were looking for you to bring business oh, in yeah. from your oh, family yeah, yeah. and that was a deal breaker for me i know that that was Absolutely. a deal breaker for oh, you yeah. huge deal breaker one thing that if i were to talk to someone coming out of school or maybe someone that's in the need of a career change the financial services industry is incredible. There's a shit ton of money. You yep. can make as much money as you want, and we're living proof of that. I would say stay away from being a fucking scumbag. Mm -hmm. Don't sell to your family. Don't even think about pushing products to anyone that you might even know a little bit. Yeah. Focus on people that you don't know. Focus on people that you've never met. Just go from there. People that you interviewed with wanted names and numbers of yeah. their family members. So fuck that, man. I'm not fucking doing that. I really found that interesting interviewing for different financial broker positions coming out of college. I never expected any recruiter or manager to be like, hey, give me 20 names of people you know and let's give them a call during an interview process. That's just, it's shady. So once we got hired out of college, yep. all of a sudden we have to pick up our insurance licenses, our investment licenses this, yeah. and then we got to hit the training program we're not even hitting the training program yet we got to get our licenses yeah, first baby we're nothing at this we're point. nothing at this Ooh. point so tell me a little bit about your experience studying it was tough i mean taking these tests that like basically mean that if you fail this thing you can't work i mean that's scary going into that for for any young guy I think, you know, knowing like if you fail this exam, you can't work for a month, two, three months. I mean, that's scary. Not being able to make money, that's scary to me. So it was an interesting experience. I, I, I studied my ass off for two, three, four weeks. I think I got a, a averaged about an 80 on all four exams. I got a funny story. So I uh, like it. Yeah, love, love a funny story. <laughs> yeah, I bet you would, you <laughs> fucking guy. So I passed three out of four and I went down to Rhode Island. I went to school in New Hampshire. So three hour drive to Rhode Island take my tests, pass three out of four of them. All right, well, kind of a pain in the ass. I gotta go back down to take one more, but whatever, fuck it. Yeah. So I skip my senior week, which is just a week where you can just booze with all of your friends, people you're probably gonna see for the last time in your life in college. I go down to Rhode Island, I take this last test that I failed the first time. I fail it a second time oh, because geez. I studied the wrong test. I am trying to find the balls to text Swenny and tell him, bro, I just failed this test for the second time. I'm a fucking idiot. That's tough. And Bobby, Bobby was a fucking dick, dude. Yeah. During the interview process, get this, bro. He said this, Matt, when did you graduate? I said, May 6th. Biggest achievement. Actually, you know what? Playing college baseball was probably my biggest achievement. But graduating college is up there. I agree. Getting yeah. my degree, that's I, up there. I, I think that's one of my top achievements in my life. I agree with you 100%. Bobby said, all right, Matt, you graduate May 6th. I want you in here May 8th. Oh, my God. I didn't think twice about it because first job out of college, I'm thinking, do whatever this guy says, right? So I'm delaying this and delaying this because I'm failing this test. And I remember just crying in the car because oh. I felt so 
stressed yeah. and pressured. During the first series test that we did, I remember before clicking send, there's this screen at the end of the test that says like submit. Yeah, and yeah. like once you submit, you can't go back and change yep. anything. Before I'm submitting, I'm shaking a little bit because I don't want to delay the process another month. I had a funny story about that. I didn't mean to cut you no, off, but yeah, yeah. I feel the same way that you felt because after I finished the testing like you did, I decided to take another exam, the series seven exam probably heard of it on a couple of Wall Street movies, maybe a Wolf of Wall Street. Hitting that submit button is a scary fucking feeling, dude. It really is. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I was scared hitting that button. And I had probably a minute left. And I was so scared to hit the button, I just let it tick down. Tick, 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 tick. <laughs> I just let it submit itself. I ended up passing that thing too. You have this six-month process before you can even do the job that you signed on for. Yeah. First things first, you got to get your licenses. Tell me about the training program. Give me all the details that you can about that horrible training program. It was interesting. It's kind of funny. They take it to a real nice restaurant. And you're expecting the best. Everyone's there is having laughs in the morning. You know, good group of people we work with. You go in there and you just learn a bunch of nonsense about stuff you'll never actually do. Some of these things, man, it's just kind of silly that they teach you. You get this huge high when you pass your exams because you think, fuck yeah, I'm finally I'm good to go. Yeah. Let me just get paid. Let me close business. Let me get paid. I haven't been paid in months because yeah, I've been studying absolutely. for these fucking exams. My training program experience lasted nine weeks and they Stop, want you yeah. through the training program in five. I just remember being so bad. I made so many damn cold calls yeah. and I would try to work all these shitty leads. I remember there was this one week I was 0 for 9. I'm in Newport and the guy porches me. Agreed location, agreed time, and the client is just not there. Yeah. So that is the ninth appointment of the week. So I'm 0 for 9. I just remember driving past the Newport Bridge and just wanting to fucking jump <laughs> off that thing, That was horrible. So CDP was brutal. Nine weeks for me. I don't know how long it was for you, man. About but six. About five or six. Yeah, five or six for you. And then you're finally in what's called production, which means you can actually do the job exactly, that you signed yeah. on for. Yeah. So to give you a timeline, I graduated in May. I'm in production for the first time in late September. Yeah. Five to six months later after I graduated, I'm actually doing the job that I signed up for. So crazy. tell me a little bit about the learning curve from you when you first started? I mean, it's an interesting experience when you're meeting with clients for the first time as a 22, 23 year old kid. It's scary, it, don't get me wrong, but it, it's a great experience getting yourself out there and as a young guy, I mean, you know it, man. You're still doing it, you're still grinding. I love it, dude. I absolutely loved it. It was definitely nerve wracking at first, but you kind of get the hang of things. You meet people, show you some things that you were like, oh wow, I kind of like that. And there are certain things you kind of pick up from other people that you kind of implement into your everyday routine. And I definitely think that as much as it was tough getting started, don't get me wrong, it's a great experience, man. I gotta tell you. Whenever there's money involved, when you have to talk about percentages and splits, George and I, when we worked together, it was always 50-50, oh, yeah. right? We kept it simple. It was always 50-50. I'm sure there were times he did more work than I did. There were times where I did more work than he did. We just kept it simple. We did 50-50. The one thing about doing joint work, though, you do work with a ton of different people. And when I was new and when I was shitty and I was just terrible, I would work with guys like Chris. I would work with Jordan Cohn. 
I would work with guys at Prudential that I could just learn from and study from, try to pick up on some things that I might want to use in my own practice. Absolutely. Also, with the shittier advisors that we worked with, and I'm not going to name any names, but you could tell they didn't close the business, so obviously what they said was wrong and like and what they were doing was wrong and and you can avoid doing that you're absolutely right like you said you learn what not to do and then you learn what to do there are different routes that you can take in life you can take the safe route and you can make that decent salary have a decent income steady job steady hours all that shit. that's great this absolutely. job is filled with a ton of risks and a ton of reward and it's for the people that really want their name to be fucking made that's kind of what I love about this position. I love the ability to be able to make as much money as possible. I don't like being capped at any point in my career. I think it's interesting that my job revolves around performance. I, I've always respected that. I just think that the better I am at my job, the more money that I'll make is a great thing to achieve. And obviously, you know, as long as I'm doing right by my clients and I'm doing right by myself, I'll do great. But I just love the fact that when I put more work into it, I'll make more money and I mean it's just kind of sad that there are careers and I'm not trying to put anyone's career down ever but your careers where you put in more work than the next guy and you guys are getting paid the same amount of money that would tick me off you know terrible, I mean bro. that's true you have a lot of things in your hands your money is in your own hands your developments in your own hands when you try to climb the corporate ladder and you're forced to kiss ass and take that route that's for some personality types. Yeah. It's just not for me. I'm not the type of guy who is going to try to be nice to someone or try to get along with someone just for my own yeah. development. Yeah, That's yeah. just not me. Tell me a little bit about your experience when it came time to making phone calls, when it came time to running appointments, when it came time to closing business on your own, and some of the tricks that you learned to try to help you out with that. I think making phone calls for the first time is an interesting experience for any like young guy. I mean, you're calling people you don't know, you know, people who, who are with the company already, but you're just like, you don't know them. I mean, you never met them. I'm calling them out of the blue to set up a, a time to meet with them in person. Kind of uh, nerve wracking to say the least, but you just kind of make more and more of them. You get, get to know these people. You kind of just try to connect to them on a personal level. And that's what it's all about. You know, you get to know them, you do right by them. That's how you close the business at the end of the day. And I gotta say the more dials you make, the more people you're gonna get connected with. It's just the law of large numbers. It really is, man. I wasn't nervous ever calling because I always felt the same way. Calling is so random. One day when you're calling, You'll make four appointments, the next day you'll make one, maybe the next day you'll make five, maybe the next day you'll make zero. I called seven straight people and I had seven straight appointments. It is so random. What I was really nervous about was closing business yeah. on my own. I agree. Because yeah. I was always nervous with the fact that if I let this opportunity slip yeah. and it's my fault, that sucks. then I have thousands of dollars just leaving my pocket. And that's one thing about George and I that a lot of people don't understand. There's nothing guaranteed. Yeah. We make our money when the client signs on the line. So when we have a closing, all the pressure's on us, and it's almost like we kind of step on the stage. It's kind of like our moment. Yeah, no, You know absolutely. what I mean? For those of you that don't know the business timeline, everyone starts as a fucking prospect. I've worked thousands and thousands of prospects. Then there's a very small percentage of those prospects that you'll actually convert to appointments. Yeah. And then from that, 
there's a very small percentage of appointments that you'll actually convert to closing business and, and actually making money. Every time I had a closing, I knew in the back of my head, wow, there's $4,000 on the line. There's $6,000 on the line. If this client signs, I'm putting 10 grand in my pocket. It, working with Matt is great. Obviously, we're great friends and we've hung out for a very long time. We met through work, so that's kind of how we got to know each other. But when we did right by our client, we we're closing business. We're cranking you two on the ride home. We're having yeah. laughs. We're having a nice beer at a nice restaurant after. And it's a good feeling, you know? I've never come in the clutch with the big cases. And I'm a guy who's made million dollar round table, right? Oh, yeah. I've never come in clutch with the big cases though, man. But I don't know if it's because I'm young. Add up. It's because you're young. The... People look at us and they're like, like, what does this fucking guy know about making money? Like, what does this guy fucking know about my retirement plan? What does this fucking guy know about shit? Right. He's fucking 24 years old. I agree with you. It's one of the biggest killers as a young businessman. The one thing I will say about a blown opportunity is the learning opportunity at the same time. Yeah, as, you're right. As much as uh, I've blown opportunities, I kind of look at that and I go, wow, that's on me and that's something that I won't do again. I think there were certain things I did there that I can do better. And I, I, I kind of enjoy that experience. I mean, I don't enjoy it when I blow the fucking opportunity and I lose out on four grand. But I mean, at the end of the day, you look at that a couple months later, you're like, oh, you know, that's a, that's a good learning opportunity. We can always look back and say, we blew this opportunity. We did this wrong. We did this wrong. We did this wrong. You got to fucking move on. Yeah. What kills people is that they have one or two opportunities and they're banking on their entire yeah. quarter getting met by those opportunities. You have to move on. That's why you keep busy, like you said, and keep setting the next client and keep setting up the next opportunity. Tell me about the dynamic of working with a lot of people who are older than you. Like we talked about earlier, all of our money is up to us. Yeah. Right? We don't get guaranteed anything. I, as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old kid coming out of college and coming on, was working with 40, 50, 60 year olds, just like you. Yep. When you work at a company, usually the veterans are getting paid more than the newer people, 100%. right? Yeah. And a lot of times it's based on age and experience and you don't have someone out of college making as much as somebody who's been at the company for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. At our case, it's all up in the air. Yeah, I mean, when you're a 23 year old, 24 year old kid making more money than some guy who's 65, it's kind of crazy. I mean, at the same time, I think like a lot of these guys at 65, they just don't give a fuck anymore. And they're just like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to go right off into the sunset. Yeah, they had their day. But yeah, exactly right. They had their day. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, yeah, you're right, man. I mean, it, it, I think it comes down to that. It's like all about drive and me and you have it and some people don't. You know? Yeah. Like, I think it, a lot of these older guys, as much as they might have had it back in the day, I think it just kind of fades away at a certain point. Yeah, that was one thing that really bothered me when I first came on. As I mentioned earlier, I was really bad when I first came on. <laughs> I remember the training program in my first quarter in production, my GDR, which was what our commission was based off of, yep. my GDR was about 8,000. And in commission, that's a little under $5,000. If we want to round up, we can say $5,000 after my bonus. So in about six months, I've made $5,000 up to this point. So I want to reiterate, I was really bad when I first came on, <laughs> but once I started to get good and once I started to get my feet wet and, and once I started to roll a little bit, I was making more money than these 30, 40, 50 year olds. And that fucking ate me up. Yeah. And yeah. I remember I was at home one time back when I was living in North Kingstown. And I just remember thinking like, why the fuck is a 21 year old kid making thousands and thousands more 
than someone who's 30 years old, 40 years old, that has a kid, that has a family, that has a spouse. Yeah. Like, this isn't fair, but it's <laughs> just say, the yeah. job. Well, at the, same, at the same time, I mean, I'm a huge believer in work hard and you get paid more than the next guy. And I expect that about our company. It was so tough because when you work with people, you become very friendly with them and you become close with them. You guys go out all the time and you guys go out to lunch and you guys hang out after work and you start to get to know people on a personal level. Obviously, the harder you work, the more money you're going to make. I made more calls than everyone and that's why I closed more business and, and that's why I do what I did. But it was so hard and I just remember thinking that it's just not fair with the fact that yeah. we made so much money and we were so young yeah, yeah. and that was just so hard for me to deal with and then I eventually realized you know what there are also 21 22 year old kids that make double what you're making yeah, Matt. so yeah. moving on give me your inspiration for coming into finance why did you want to major in finance in college and why did you want to become a broker it's an easy question it's my dad i mean i've always respected my dad i, I love the man to death and he was the most successful man i've ever met in my entire life and he worked in finance and the thing about my dad is he's not smarter than the next guy but he's definitely not dumber than the next guy but his ability to talk to people and, and meet with people and create good connections i think is the reason why he was so successful and i saw his ability to do it and I said to myself, well, if he can do it, why can't I do it too? So I, I would definitely say that's the reason I got into it, watching his success throughout his career, his short career in finance, but made you know a lot of money doing it. Somehow he was able to make a million bucks plus a year and did it for multiple years. And that just blew my fucking mind, I gotta say. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about some high profile celebrities, some household names, they don't even make a million bucks You're a right. year. You're absolutely right. So the fact that your dad did that is insane. Yeah. Give our listeners good memories when we were closing business together and some bad memories when we were closing business together. I can think of a lot of good ones. Bad ones, I can't really think of any bad ones. I can give you a good one. We had this client in Cape Cod we met with a few times, which is from Cape Cod, from, from Providence, Rhode Island, is a fucking hike. It's a very far drive. Yes. So me and this guy met with him multiple times. Really nice couple. And ended up closing the business the last time out. And it was a tough one. We were there for two hours plus talking to them, figuring out what the best option was for them. And they ended up moving forward with it. And me and this guy just driving home, windows down in the summer, oh, you know, man. sunroof down. I mean, it was, you know, blasting rock music. It was a blast. It was a I'm great time. I'm telling you, man, the biggest high I ever feel in my life is every time I close business. There's nothing like earning your money the hard way making a difference in someone's life and getting paid it's incredible man I'm glad that you couldn't think of any bad memories <laughs> uh, yeah no i mean actually you know what i got a bad i got a bad memory for us all right, all right. so me and this guy closed business with a couple we drive back to attleboro massachusetts which is my hometown so we go to this bar called arugas little 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 hometown restaurant so me and him decided to grab a drink and some dinner there a couple beers deep i mean we're you know, two three beers nothing crazy waitress comes over she goes do any of you guys own a uh, Honda Civic, black oh, Honda Civic? No, man. And I'm like, story. well, I don't, but my buddy does. And I'm like, hey, Matt, they're asking about your Honda Civic. I'm like, I'm thinking that maybe at the worst case scenario, he left his lights on maybe, and they're telling him, hey, yo, you got to turn your lights on. The cops are at his car. Someone broke into this guy's car after a closing. Stole his laptop, or I guess it was iPad. Stole his keyboard, stole his fucking whole briefcase. 
out of his car, broke into his window. Oh, that was a bad memory. That night in Attleboro was so funny for so many reasons. So I think we were watching the Bruins, yeah. and we were inside. We were having a couple drinks after we closed business. And we go outside. We meet these two Attleboro cops. The robber saw the briefcase that I had in the passenger seat of my car, smashed the window, stole the briefcase. Inside I had, I think it was like $1,000 in damages. I had my iPad, notebook. I actually had a client file in there. This Attleboro cop is out of breath, and we're like, buddy. He's eating hot dogs. <laughs> Guy's eating hot dogs before, uh, before getting on the force. So we were talking to this cop. This cop says, oh, you know what? I got half a license plate. Buddy, you were on the scene. Was he? Bro, this guy, this fucking Albro cop was in the parking lot. He couldn't he chase him down. He was on scene. Shout out to Attleboro Police Department. You uh, fucking prick. You gotta, you gotta get guy, some bro. slimmer he officers was, with some bigger calf muscles. My guy was on scene. My guy was eating scene. the hot dogs on the scene. My guy was on scene. It was fucking ridiculous. I, uh, Anyways, this fucking night happens, right? And I joke about it. I talk about the fact that in Superbad, you have Bill Hader and Seth Rogen oh, yeah, being the cops. Seth Rogen and, right there. And just the Attleboro cops were that level of funny to us. Oh, they yeah. Were just fucking terrible. And then the girlfriend that I had at the time dumped me two days later. It was the worst. This guy is having a tough fucking week. I got to tell you. The, the worst string of events. <laughs> series of events I've ever seen. This man was getting kicked while he was down. She drove to my apartment in Providence. And I'm thinking maybe we watch a movie, chill out. I think it was a Sunday. And she's like, yeah, Matt, I can't do this anymore. Like, goodbye. <laughs> And I'm like, you That's know, fuck. you know, my car just got broken into. Why are you doing this? <laughs> Girl's cold-blooded, my Dude, guy. They're, they're all Some women out there cold-blooded. Cold Can we talk about how I got you in a Kino? Well, I wouldn't say I'm in the Kino, but I like it. I would it. say so. I like it a lot, all right? <laughs> it's a fucking interesting game, to say the least. I always pick four numbers. What I do every time because of Maddie Bizzle. Last time I did it, I won forty fucking dollars. So. Keto is something that gets passed down. <laughs> I had someone pass his passion of keto down to me. I like it. And I, therefore, it just, I never fucking win. I never fucking win. That's I not can't. the point. The point of Keno point is, is never to win. Well, so me and this guy go out one time to Twin River Casino, a little small casino in Rhode Island. He had a few beers, maybe maybe a little couple extra than he probably should have, and he decides he's gonna hit the bet button. As many times as the machine will possibly allow, which I think at the time was like 300 fucking dollars, something like that. And it maxed out. And it was like, you can't bet anymore. I'm like, Matt, dude, what the fuck, bro? What are you doing, Matty? What are you doing? And he gets a 19, Dealer gets an 18, and 300 bucks in Matty B's pocket. Very impressive. Very impressive. I maxed out. On that virtual blackjack machine one night in Twin River with Georgie. I think we were with your brother. Yep. CC. And then we were with Cerrone as well. I maxed out on that. And then I got a little height. I'm maxing out again. And then halfway through that, I think I got to like, I think you can max out. I think it was like a times 10 multiplier. So every time you hit the button, you're adding $10 to your bet. So yeah. I think I got to like 18 or 19. And I won that one, so I won like $180 on top of 300 Just ridiculous. something ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, something ridiculous. Absolutely. I never go to the casino to actually win money. Yeah, exactly. I never go. Yeah, I, I, I'm all for be. the entertainment value. Exactly. I'm all about losing money. If I can lose 1000 bucks, and like I said, I can't afford to lose 1000 bucks at the casino, but exactly. if it's no, going to no. make a lot of people happy, and it's going to be a funny moment. What'd you, lose that? What'd you lose that night? We can take this out off camera if you need no, to. No, I won. I, that night, oh, I won. Oh, so the next when, time we when, yeah, when my sister. 
Fox. Uh, yeah, when my sister and her boyfriend came up from Maryland, when we hit twin, I I lost like five hundred bucks that yeah, night. Yeah, that was, that was a that was a rip. Yeah, but fuck it, dude. Fuck. I mean, it's that the was a fucking good casino. Dude. You're gonna lose some fucking money. All right, so Georgie, my brother, thank you for coming on today. He no, I I, I appreciate everything. Maddie's a great brother of mine. Great dude. Before I let you go, one final quick story. So yeah. this story is one of the funniest stories that I've ever heard. I'm not from New England. Georgie isn't either. He's from New York City. Yeah, I grew up in New England. Uh, well, I grew up in New York City and New England, so kind of split, yeah. but yes, so you're right. My guy was playing Little League with Nat Wolf. For oh those of you God. who don't... I'm telling this story. those of you who don't know Fuck. Nat Wolf, Nat Wolf is the lead you singer him. of you know the who he Naked is. Brothers Nobody's going to know who that is. Yes, they will. TV show yes, on Nickelodeon, no. 2003, no. right? Like, no. no, no, no. This demographic, no, everyone our age, wait, 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 wait. everyone knows the Naked I gotta Brothers I got to see band. when that show was on. This guy was a superstar. George was playing Manhattan Little League with yeah. Nat Wolf. And tell us what happened, George. I mean, Nat Wolf was kind of. Uh, I'm gonna put this on camera. I have no problem with it, but uh, Nat Wolf's a pussy. Uh, <laughs> no man. Nat Wolf is is 100% a soft, soft man. I threw the ball at him and he cried. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I I, I pegged him pretty good. And, I mean, I hit him hard. I hit him in the leg. Like, I I was pitching. I threw the ball at his leg, and and Nat Wolf cried. He plugged the lead singer. the him. naked. Joe Kellyed him. Joe Kellyed his ass. How do you plug the lead singer of the Naked Brothers band in literally? <laughs> and the only reason he got a fucking show is because his mom was a bigwig for Nickelodeon. It was the shittiest fucking TV show of all time. I loved it, man. I, I, the I, Naked I, I watched band it too. Was I, awesome. I, I say it was shitty, but I actually watched it. Uh, shout out, by the way, shout out to Nat Wolf. I nothing against Nat Wolf. Um, sorry, buddy. Nat Wolf, if you're listening for God knows why, <laughs> George apologizes. <laughs> Plunked him. <laughs> Went down like a fucking sack of potatoes. I got a buddy of mine who lives up in Boston. He gave up a bomb to Bryce Harper when he was in Little League. You also played ball with Stephon Diggs. I think that's interesting. Oh, well, yeah, pick up. You know, when we that's were That's pretty fucking Stephon cool. Yeah, Stephon Diggs grew up in the same neighborhood I did in Rockville, Maryland. Yeah. Only guy I had in my cool. neighborhood was Hernandez, and he was just killing people. Which kind of kind of sucks. <laughs> that is a story that we'll save for next time. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. George, next Condon. time, season two. Uh, thank, thank you again, Matt, for having me, buddy. Absolutely, uh, I, I, I appreciate you, it. Love you, bro. love you too, bro. Yeah, thank you All again right. for having me, guy. Really hope you guys like that one. One more time, my good buddy George Condon. First half of the interview, talked a little shop. Hope you guys found that that was pretty interesting. And then the second half, all laughs, all stories. Just a great time. If you guys want to check us out on YouTube, our YouTube channel is If Maddie Had a Podcast. Nat Wolf is a superstar. I don't know what he's talking about. Hope you guys love that interview. That was a ton of fun. As always, don't forget to chase your dreams. Be impressive. Don't forget to recycle. Please don't forget to recycle, and I will see you guys next episode. Peace.